He is absolutely amazing. You can be seated. We're going to get in the Word. Before we do that, I want to share a couple of things with you. Uh, first, uh, next week, um, we will be doing small group leader training. Small group leader training will be next week. If you ever wanted to desire to lead a small group, or just take a few minutes. Um, city group, rather. They'll, they, they get me when I don't say it right. City group uh, leader training right after service next week, and then we'll launch and get a chance to be part of a city group on September 8th. Also, next week will be Next Steps 1. Um, you get an opportunity to just find out about us, find out about the vision of Life City Church and um, how you can get connected and you know discover your gifts and your purpose and all of that stuff and to be part of what God is doing here. He is an absolutely amazing God. Um, the other thing that I want you to just keep in the back of your head on September 15th, we'll also be celebrating our very first year as a church, um, which is amazing. Amazing. I hear they want to do a big cupcake and pizza party um, on that day. So just invite somebody. It'd be fun to come and celebrate all that God has done um, and his faithfulness throughout this first year um, here in Jacksonville, Florida. And the beautiful thing about that is we're all going to celebrate. But how many of you know that the best is yet to come? And I want to encourage you before I actually get into the message. I feel like preaching already, but before I actually get into the message to let you know that your best is yet, yet to come as well. Sometimes we wake up in the morning and we're like, man, this is it. This is as good as it gets for me. But God has given you life. He's given you breath. And if you have life and breath, your next is going to be better than your now. Can we say amen? Amen. We're in this series, uh, Battle Ready. Um, and we, I, the reason this was really birthed out of me um, in prayer not criticizing anything that anybody's doing anywhere else, but just sometimes we get so much sugar and candy um, in church, and so we leave feeling good but not equipped to do the things that God has called us to do. And how many of you know that church and our relationship with God should look like it looks in the Bible? If it doesn't look like it looks in the Bible, then we're, we're just having a show, we're having a performance, and that means that sometimes you have to be reminded that not only does God want to bless you, not only does he want to move you forward in your life, but also there's going to be times that we're going to go through some things. Why? Because we have an enemy that goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And if he has to look for somebody to devour, that means that he can't get to everybody. So we want to be equipped to be one of those that the enemy can't get to. Can we say amen? You know, we're going to be tested. We're going to be tried. We're going to have experiences and challenges in our life. But through faith in God, uh, we can outlast it all. Um, you know, my purpose, sometimes waking up in the morning knowing that my purpose is going to outlast my pain and it's going to outlast my problem and it's going to outlast my struggle gives me strength to go on the next day. If I think that I'm going to wake up and it's always going to be the same all the time, many times I'm tempted to give up. But Thank God for Jesus, because if he could endure the cross of Calvary and have nails wedged and driven into his hands and still get up three days later, I, 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 I talk to people about this because if anybody should have been dead or stayed dead, it should have been Jesus, because we just carry our own sins, but he carries the sins of all people who've ever lived on this earth and all who will ever live, yet on the third day he got up, and if he could get up and walk in victory. How many of you know we can walk in victory too? And so we really have, last week we talked about being fully covered and how um, it's important in this life that we 
are covered with the armor of God. And that the Bible tells us not to put on the partial armor, but the full armor of God. And he gives us the reason. He says that we can stand against the schemes of the enemy. And when in, in an age where the word the enemy or Satan becomes taboo to say, to, to, to say in church, we, we have a problem because we live as if we're not facing an enemy. And we go on our jobs and we go in our homes and we live in our neighborhoods and we walk as if we don't have an enemy. But the reality is, is that we do have an enemy. John 10.10 tells us the enemy comes to steal, to kill and destroy. But he's come that we might have life and have it more abundantly. So it's a realization that, yes, we have an enemy, but we have a God who's bigger than our enemy and that he's given us every tool that we need to walk in victory. Uh, sometimes, honestly, I, I'm a little stirred today because sometimes I wake up and, and, and I'm like, God, this can't be it for your people. It can't be that we simply wake up in the morning and walk in defeat all the time. It can't be. Are you are anybody in here today? It, it can't be that every time the enemy comes and he tries to do something in our life, we're just pushed over and rolled over. At some point, we've got to stand up and walk by faith. And so the, the, the piece of the armor that we talked about last week that is the only defensive part of the armor is the shield of faith. And the Bible says that the shield of faith, we to raise it up so that we can quench every fiery dart of the enemy. Now think about that for a minute. God has given us a part of the armor that will handle everything that the enemy throws our way. It's a catch-all. So it's not like uh, I, I lift up the shield of faith and it only helps me with parts of my life. No, when I develop faith and when I walk in faith, then it's an answer to everything that I'm dealing with right now. How many of you came in here dealing with some stuff? To be honest with you, there's just, just, I just got stuff going on in my life that I need God to deal with and, and work through and begin to move out of the way. I want to challenge you to raise the shield of faith today in your life. And, and so the title of today's message is simply winning the battle of faith. It's winning the battle of faith. Winning the battle of faith. Well, pastor, faith is a battle? Yes, it's a battle. Why is it a battle? Faith is a battle because the enemy does not want us to believe God. That's real deep, isn't it? It's not real deep. See, see the battle, we have a battle in our life for the, for the reason, for the specific reason that we have an enemy that does not want us to believe what God said. Why does he not want us to believe what God said? Because if we believe, if we don't believe what God said, we won't act on what God said. And if we don't act on what God said, we won't be blessed by the obedience that comes through acting on what he said. Can we say amen? So we, the, the blessings of our life, the, the moving forward in our life, the progress in our life is all tied to our obedience, but we have an enemy that wants us to be discouraged because our discouragement will lead us to disobedience and our disobedience will stop the blessing of God in our life. See, we've been taught you know, just, just name it and claim it and blab it and grab it and call it and haul it. I'm Jimmy. I'll take everything you give me. But we don't give people the obedience portion of that that will lead to the overflowing blessings that God wants for our life. Yes, he has good things planned for us. He has things that he wants to do in our life. But they're attached to us walking in strong faith that, that motivates us to be obedient to what God said. Faith is, and this isn't, um, in your notes, but just make a note of it. It's the lifeblood of the believer. Faith is the lifeblood of the believer. What do I mean by that? Just like our bodies can't function without blood flowing through it, our spiritual life will be ineffective if faith is not running through it. And the problem is, is that we have stopped faith at 
I'm believing God for this. And we've made that faith. But faith is a lifestyle. Say lifestyle. It, 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 it's a lifestyle, and that means that faith is supposed to mark us. Whereas we're used, many of us, if we're honest, we're used to being self-sufficient, being able to depend on ourselves for everything. And the reality is, is when you say, I'm placing my trust in Jesus, I'm going to live this life of faith, that means that I'm placing my dependence on a power and a person greater than myself. And the problem is that some of us, we, we, we get out of our comfort zone when we have to rely, watch this, on somebody other than ourselves. That's why some of us have too much pride to ask questions. And some of us have too much pride to reach out and say, I'm struggling with this area of my life because we're used to saying, I got this. And, watch this, to make it worse, other people come and say, you got this. <laughs> so, so... <laughs> So it's hard to say, you know what, look, I love God, but I have a struggle in my life. And the very thing, you, you don't realize the very thing saying, opening your mouth saying, God, I'm struggling with this, is the very thing that can set you free. See, nothing good grows in the dark. So that's why the enemy seeks to allow us to keep certain things in the dark. And so we all come and sing and wave our hands and do all this, but we don't say, hey, I got an issue. I got a problem. I'm not proud of it, but I have a problem and I need help with it. And, and, and you know what? But the minute you say it, something will happen in your mind, in your heart. Now watch this. You can't talk to everybody about your business. Let me give you that disclaimer because some people under the guise of prayer will just tell all your business. So find somebody you trust and say, look, I'm going through something. Can we just pray and believe that God will move this thing out of my life? You'll be surprised what he does. You don't need a whole lot of people for God to move. He said, where two or three are gathered where? In my name. I'll be in the midst of them. He said, everything that they ask, I'll do it. So get two or three people you can trust. You don't need an army of hundreds, but just two or three people. All right, I, I just want to drop that off. Habakkuk 2.4, look at the proud. They trust in who? Themselves. Pride will cause you to trust you. When you say, Pastor, how does that, that look in my life? It is the spirit that says, I'll do it my way. No matter what God says or what God encourages you to do or what he says in your word, when you're proud and you trust in yourself, you will insist on doing something your way, even if your way doesn't work. How does that look practically? You'll get in a relationship and you try to handle an argument the same way, even though it ends the same way every time. Men. That didn't end well when you said it that way two weeks ago. So yet now you want to say it the same way and you're expecting a different result. Wake up. It's not working. Got to try something different. Stop trusting yourself. Stop saying I'll do it my way. Women. We are not mind readers. Some of y'all, it takes 10 years to figure it out. Sometimes we just don't get it. You got to spell it out for us. Men are quiet, but you know I'm telling the truth. You should have picked up on it by now. You know when I'm looking like this, this is what... No, you got to tell me, look. <laughs> Say, tell me. Just tell me. How, how many problems would be avoided if we just, 
You just said it. I don't like when you do that. Y'all know it's true. That's why it's quiet. I can't say amen too loud because they're sitting right next to me. (laughs) Thank you, brother. Thank you. And their lives, watch this, when we trust in ourselves, are crooked. Now, the word crooked is also translated into an, an uglier word called perverse. So when we trust ourselves, it is a perversion of God's plan in our lives. Now, don't think just one way in that vein. It just means that we go off the course of what God actually has for us. But the good news is the righteous shall live by their faith or their faithfulness to God. So our relationship with God is marked by our trust in him. So that means that I've got to do what he says, even when what's coming at me, this is how I win the battle of faith. Even what's coming at me looks like I should do something else. And that's the hard part because God says, look, uh, I want you to be consistent and I want you to do this. I want you to whatever it is, read the word or pray or whatever, but you, you're in your feelings. So I don't feel like doing, I just don't feel it right now. I'm just not feeling church today. It's hard for me to believe that Jesus felt like Calvary. You know, so we can't always be governed by what we feel, but we got to be governed by our faith and our faithfulness to God. Okay, but how do I do that? Things are hard. I'm glad you asked. Philippians 4.13, for I can do some things. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. We have to begin to develop as people of God a possibility mindset. Do you ever talk to people and every time you bring something up, whatever you bring up, it's impossible? You, 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 whatever you bring up, oh, I don't, uh, we can't do it because. We can't do it because. We can't be do it because. But the Bible says we can do everything through, this is a key word, not self-sufficient, through Christ who gives us strength. So God empowers us to do what he's called us to do. Now, if you're two feet tall and 300 pounds, you probably are not going to be in the NBA. Yeah, just, just saying, you know, and, and, you know. There's always one. <laughs> but my point is, when God calls us to do something, he equips us to do it. He puts everything in us that's needed and necessary to accomplish his plan for our life. And let me tell you this just to help some of us get free. It's not dependent on anyone else. You will reach places in your life when you walk by faith that you've got to realize that what he's called you to do is not dependent on what others do. As a matter of fact, let me be honest with you, the hard part is sometimes God will shut everybody else down just so he can show himself mighty in your life. I, don't want, I wonder why I didn't get encouragement here or why they didn't call me here or why this didn't happen here. God said, I'm the one. I'm behind it. Yeah, there's certain things that they should have maybe done, but I'm behind. I shut them out so I could show myself mighty in your life. So there's, there's something special about when God shows up and you know it was God. It wasn't something you had to manipulate or, or put together or puzzle together, or piece together. But God said, just because I love you, just because I care about you, just because you're the apple of my eye, I'm going to show up and provide you freedom. I'm going to provide you deliverance. I'm going to provide you necessities. I'm going to give you your uh, restoration. Everything that you need in your life will come from me if you just rely on me and trust me. So here's the principle to, to live Successful lives, we must have a firm belief that it can be done. Pastor, what are you talking about? Well, whatever it is that God has given you to do. 
we have to, this sounds real basic, but we have to believe that it can actually be done. How many of you, you, you if you're like me sometimes, how many of you, got, you, you're praying or you're reading your word and something in you, you get a spark. Man, God wants to do something in my life. or he, There's something he's put in my heart to do, but then just that fast, the enemy talks you out of it. Or am I by myself? Okay, where, where, where you know, man, we're going to do this for God. And then he whispers, you, you're going to do it? You can do that. Remember your past. Remember this. Remember all the mistakes you've made in your life. Why is this going to be any different? You know, that, that, those are the kinds of things that he whispers in your mind, and then you think it's you. No one's ever going to want me. No one's ever going to help me. You know, little things that he, he whispers, just, just drops a seed. And before you know it, all the air, all the passion, all the enthusiasm for what he gave you to do is gone because of one word and one whisper. What do we learn from that? This isn't in our notes either. Got to be careful who you surround yourself with. How many of you heard of Joseph in the Bible? Joseph accomplished great things for God, but he had a problem. And if you read the Bible too fast, you don't recognize that his problem was he talked too much. You know, he had got God, you know, like us, God gave him a dream of what was going to be accomplished in his future through him. And rather than sit on it, he said, hey, um, dad, older brothers, I just want you to know I had a dream last night and I'm going to run (laughs) y'all. And see, and so his dad's like, well, whatever, his brothers, whatever. And then so he goes to sleep again another night, and then God gives him the dream in a different, form, a different form. And he didn't notice the side eye the first time that, that his, his, his dad brothers were giving. So he got up and said, hey, hey, mom, dad, brothers, I just want you all to know in case you didn't understand the first time, in, at some point in the future, I'm going to run you all. <laughs> and he expected them to understand not even preaching on Joseph today, but, but I say that to you to encourage you. You can't always tell people what's in your heart. You, you got to have some, you got to know some people are for you before you share your dreams with them. Because what happens is, watch this, what happens with Joseph is they, 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 there comes a time later on where they see him and they say, you know what, here comes the dreamer. You know what, let's, let's kill him. And then let's see what becomes of, of his dream. So you got to make sure that you're not surrounding yourself with dream executioners. There are some people who live, they, they, they live to take the wind out of your sails. I, I know you don't believe this, but, but it's true. But get around people, watch this, say give life. You got to get around people who give life, who, who breathe life into the purpose that God has for you. You got you to be around people who... who um, they don't let you remain in a pity party when it doesn't look like your dream is coming to pass. You got to have some people around you who, who call you and hold you accountable. I was telling um, Brother John a couple weeks ago, man, I, ever since this, this son of mine came into the world, and sometime before that, I just haven't been able to get to the gym like I want to. And so sure enough, like clockwork on Saturday nights, did you go to the gym? You have to have people who holds you accountable to the dream. Y'all, y'all understand what I'm saying? 
Because when you feel like giving up on you, you got to have some other people who won't give up on you. Yeah, you say, well, yeah, God is my source and I only lean on it. I understand that. But you got to have somebody who can call you and say, hey, um, I know you said God was telling you to, to, to move in this direction. What progress have you made? You didn't give up on that dream yet. And it's not scrutinizing. You didn't give up on that dream yet, did you? Oh, I see that person. Um, you may not want to necessarily be around them if they're always being negative and always, you know, bringing you down. You got to have those good friends. Good friend doesn't always tell you what you want to hear. They tell you what you need to hear. So you need those kind of people in your life. You, you stop being around people that allow you to remain in your pity party. You get some friends that cancel that pity party. We have to have a firm belief it can be done, both what? In our physical and spiritual lives. Nothing is impossible with God. Hebrews 11.3 says it this way, by faith we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. That we now see, that what we now see did not come from anything that has been seen. So what are you saying, Pastor? Faith is a divine force that brings the supernatural into the natural. So, so, and he uses the illustration of creation to show us that, that what you see is always the, the, the manifestation of what you didn't see. Now let me give you some information on this to help you with this. This is why people judge you when they see you at the end of your journey. Because they don't see the sacrifice you made to get where you are. They just see where you are and they say, oh, he thinks he's this or she thinks she's that. But they don't understand the hours that you put in and praying and crying and sacrificing and uh, phone calls and, and sleepless nights to get where they don't see all that. They just see the fact that you're here. Do you know that there are people that actually think that pastors just get up and preach? And they don't, they don't, they don't actually realize that, that many times the message is fruit of the crushing that they have been through in their own life. So what we, what, see, it's like a restaurant. Like, I'll go to this restaurant that I really like, and if I like what I had and it, it, it sustained me and it satisfied me, then I tell you about it. And many times, as preachers and teachers, I don't know if future preachers may be in here, understand this. Don't always go in the Word for something to share. Sometimes you need to go in there and get something to eat. You go and get something to eat, and if it, if it works for you, then you serve it to somebody else. You know what, you know what the, the word for that is? Authenticity. It means that I've eaten it, I've digested it, and now I'm going to serve it to you. And this is what we need to do with the other people in our lives. As we pray, as we lead our families, as we, as we live by faith ourselves, then we can serve what God is giving us to other people and help them grow. Say, it's not about me. Is helping anybody? Faith is the currency of heaven. Just like in the natural dollars our currency. Faith is the currency of heaven. It's God's method of exchange. In other words, I bring God my faith for what he's promised. I need to stop there. For what he's promised. Some of us are believing God for things he hasn't promised. What if I came over your house and said, I'm believing him for your car? <laughs> you know what? I'm going to come over your house. I'm believing God for your wife. I'm believing him for your husband. Wait a minute. God didn't promise you that. And that's why many people get discouraged because, I, man, you know what, I've been believing God and believing God, but you got to go back and say, did God actually promise me that? 
And the good news is, is if you open up this word, there are plenty of promises that you can grab a hold to. I'm struggling. I'm struggling with fear. I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with wondering whether the enemy is going to get me. Well, just go over to Psalm 91 that says, He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, Lord, I'm having a, a problem believing you for provision right now. That's okay. Go over to Psalm 23 that says that he um, is my shepherd and I lack nothing. See, that's how you claim, that's how you claim promises. You've got to go and you've got to do a little work. Get in the Word and find out what he actually says about you and then stand on that. If this does not dictate what you believe about him and about you, the world will. You become, by, by default, a victim to the world's opinion when you don't know what's in here. Is this helping somebody? Have you ever, be honest, have you ever struggled with your own self-worth and your own self-esteem and your own value? Because it's not supposed to be found in you anyway. It's supposed to be found in here. It's supposed to be found in what he says about you. This is why... The enemy haunts many of us with our past because we don't go here in Corinthians where it says that if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature and the old things are passed away and behold, all things have become new. That's why we, we hit the rewind button over and over and over again. To walk by faith means to walk by this. It's our constitution. It tells us what rights we have, what privileges we have. It tells us what we can lay a hold to by faith. Is this helping anybody today? I, you know, I've just, I know this isn't real, you know, hype or exciting for anybody, but sometimes we just need to sit and be taught. And we need to understand that we are never without what we need if we know what's in here. You can go here and find a promise for whatever you're dealing with right now. The, 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 the challenge is having the discipline to stand on what God said. If you don't stand on this, the enemy can lie to you. God wants us to think thoughts of success. He wants us to aim high. Why do I say that? Because since we have a great God, we can have great expectations. If you want to be robbed of the hope in your life, if you want to be robbed of the courage in your life, just give up expectation. The enemy fights many of us so hard that our, our, our mantra for our life becomes, I'm not going to expect anything because then I won't be disappointed. You ever live like that? I had a stretch of about three years in my life where I said, you know what? I'm just not going to believe you for anything. I'm not going to believe anything. I'm just not going to expect anything. And as long as I don't expect it, when it doesn't come, I won't be disappointed. But that's a lie from the enemy. Because we have enough word to tell us what to expect. And think about the biggest prayer you have right now in your life, the biggest thing that you're desiring for God to do in your life right now, the most important thing, that thing that, that, that just sometimes keeps you up at night and gets you to wake up in the morning, that thing that you've been praying for, as big as that is to you, it just scratches the surface of God's ability. He's always going to go exceedingly and abundantly and beyond what we can ask, think, or imagine, but we've got to raise our level of expectation. Can we say amen? Psalm 81.10 says it like this, For it was I, the Lord your God, who rescued you from the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide, and I'll fill it with good things. The, the symbolism here is, again, 
expectation. I have what you need, but I need you to posture yourself in, in a place of expectation to receive what I have for you. How many of you have been lied on, betrayed, disappointed so much that it's hard for you to believe anything? Be honest. You actually live a life of suspicion by, whereby you just expect everybody to do you wrong. Be honest. You've been there. You, 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 if, if anybody's been living any amount of years, you've had, you may have gone through things where you just expect somebody, you're just waiting for it. This is good, but at some point, I'm watching you, I'm watching you. <laughs> you know. But when you, let me help us. When you are really connected to God, it doesn't matter what people do. You know, that's what it comes down. You, you can be in such close relationship with God. You can have such a faith level that you begin to not even worry about what people do. Thank you, whoever did that. But this is the, like I'm preaching to myself now because this is exciting to me because you can actually get to a point where it doesn't matter if people are talking about you. You know, some people, they're stopped in their tracks and their faith walk because somebody criticized them. Like, they can't get past the fact that somebody would actually question their motives. Let me assure you that as a pastor, there are times where people will question my motives. I know that's hard for you to believe. <laughs> but it happens. But the reality is, I want to walk so close to God that it doesn't even matter. Because at the end of the day, I want him to bless me not because of what you did in spite of what you did. And you have to live like that every day. You trusting that God will move in your life regardless of who disappointed you. Regardless of whether somebody let you down or whether somebody, you, you've got to walk so close to God that it doesn't matter. Say it doesn't matter. Say it like you mean it. It doesn't matter. Say it ghetto. It don't matter. Some of y'all had a hard time with that. You're like, I, can, I will not speak like that. Uh, it's okay to laugh in church, isn't it? Y'all know Proverbs says laughter is good, just like medicine. So when you're going through, sometimes you, you ever have one of those good laughs you couldn't stop? God wants us to focus on success more than failure. This is where it gets kind of serious. Because some of us have had some serious nosedives in our life where we just messed up big where we failed big, where we didn't know how we were going to recover from it. But failure, you've heard me say this in this church, and if you haven't, write this down. Failure is not a person, it's an event. Failure is not a person, it's an event. And when you realize that, you will stop calling yourself a failure and realize that whatever happened, happened, and I can move on from this. You can move on through past what you what you have been buried in, you can move on past what you've been through because your failure, it's not you, it's just something that happened. 1 Peter 2.9 says this, and this is what we have to remember about ourselves. When the world lies to us, when the world tells us we are our mistakes, we are our failures, we are this, we are that, we've got to remember what the Bible says about us. But you are not like that. But you are a chosen people. Say, I'm chosen. Say, I'm chosen. You know, some people are like, man, that's, I don't like this church, man. They make you talk too much. <laughs> you know, do you know that the voice you will believe more than God is your own? 
Before you believe anybody else, you believe your own. That's why you need to talk. Whenever you get a promise or something that God says about you, you need to repeat it to yourself. You're a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. You are chosen. You may not feel chosen right now. You may feel defeated. You may feel like, man, I don't know if my life is ever going to get any better than this. But you're chosen by God. Do you realize the fact that you are right here, right now, breathing in and out, inhaling, exhaling, in spite of every test that you've had in your life, is proof that you're chosen? It's proof that you're marked. And, and somebody, some people, you wake up in the morning, I'll just be happy if I can just get along another day. If I can just make it in this. You ever been through so much? God, I'm good as long as nothing else bad happens. You know? Look, just, I'll be all right. You know what? Just, God, I don't even need your blessing. Just make sure it doesn't get any worse than this. But God wants us always looking forward for more. More of what he has for us. There's always more. There's more for you. If you're sitting next to somebody, tell them there's more for you. Oh, look at them. Let me look at them. Tell them there's more for you. You got to have somebody, if it's just one person that believes that there's more from you, more for you than you're now, then you can keep on going. Why? We don't fight for victory. We fight from a position of victory. You are already victorious. And this will change some of our prayer life because we'll stop praying as if we're defeated trying to win. When Christ died for us, he won the victory. So that means now I'm just praying out the victory that he's already given me. He's promised me certain things in the word, so all I'm doing now is I'm agreeing with heaven about my life. Come on. Don't you want that? Do you, be, be, even the most like sanctimonious people can be honest and say, I want what God has for me in my life. I'm so, you know what? It may sound, no, God, I'm just, I'll just take whatever. No, God has more than crumbs for you. He has more than crumbs for your life. He has more than crumbs for your relationship. He has more than crumbs for your job. And the reality is now I got, got, okay, I don't know how, but I know you, so I want everything that you have for me. Every, just give it to me. Call, let people call me greedy. All you got, everything you have for me, I want it. I want every ounce of healing, every ounce of health, every ounce of encouragement, every ounce of freedom, every ounce of restoration. God, I want it all. I'll take it all. And if they don't want theirs, I'll take theirs too. Just got this picture of being at a restaurant. You ever, you ever been to a restaurant with somebody and, you know, what was on their plate was looking so good? What you ordered was good, but you just wanted some of that. So you, you, you're looking at it, but then, man, that, my wife, man, she, she has a gift for waiting until I get down to that last good bite or something. We, do you realize that was part of our premarital counseling? Somebody, somebody you, you think I'm playing. We literally had a two-week session about me not wanting to share food. I'm thinking I'm such a good man, you know, you know. You know, I'm like, you know, if you, she's like, can I try that on our first date? Can I try that? And I just looked at her like she had seven heads. I said, well, let me tell you what I'll do. I, I, <laughs> I called the waiter over. I said, um, can you give her a menu, whatever she wants? You could just... She said, no, I don't want that. I want some of your fries. I said, but they're on the menu. You can have your own. You can have all you want. But she saw something. Watch this. She saw something on my plate that she wanted. 
God wants us to live such attractive lives that sometimes people see what's on our plate and they want it. Come on. Look, I want that. I see that peace. I don't have that peace. God, I want it. I see that joy. They always got joy no matter what they're going through. God, I want that. I, I want that. People will say, well, you're being selfish. No, I'm just laying hold to the, the, the promises that he's given me. He said that, that in this world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've, I've overcome the world. He says, um, this joy that I have, right? The joy that I give you. It's not like the world gives you. So if, if I see something that God has promised, I want it. Sometimes God is he's, he's, he's good at this. At, at just he'll dangle something in front of us. You ever, been, you ever felt like that? He'll just put it just out there, just enough to say, I, I, you know what? I want that. And it's important for us to begin to lay hold on the things that we desire from him. Anyway, we should pray with the expectation of success because God never fails. Think about that. Think, I mean, really think about that for a second. We pray with such expectation, not because of our own works, but because of the fact that it is impossible for him to fail. Think about the power of going to somebody who you know can change your situation and it's impossible for them to fail. Like, impossible. Like, you go to man and they might mess up, but when you go to God and you ask him, he has every ounce of power necessary to do what you're asking him to do. When we pray, we're asking for creative success. So, remember I said we're bringing what's in the supernatural into the natural. We're praying for creative success. So that means that when a doctor says to you it's like this, we go to, we go to God in prayer believing God says, I can make it like this. When we go to God and say, my heart is in turmoil, he can take our heart and make it full of peace. In other words, he's creating something that's not there. And this is why Church is more than a social, a social club. It's more than a gathering where we come together and make everybody feel good. You know, the reality is, is we're coming here because it's a supernatural meeting where God is going to do something that we could not do in our own strength and our own ability that when we wave our hands and worship or we preach or we pray or encourage, God is going to deposit something in your heart that wasn't there before. And this is important. That's why you can leave and you should leave sometimes believing that what wasn't possible before is possible now because I've been in the presence of the Almighty. To wage victorious spiritual warfare, we have to discipline both our minds and our mouths. This is where we get in trouble. We have to discipline our mind and our mouths. James says it like this. Indeed, we make many mistakes. For if we could control what? Our tongues, we would be what? perfect, but watch this, underline this or take a picture of it, we could also control ourselves in every other way. Watch somebody who can't control their mouth. They can't control anything else. If you watch somebody and they cannot control the things that they say, you can assess, honestly, you can just, in most cases, you can look at their life and see they can't control anything else either. Because it's the hardest thing to bring under control. How do you know that? What happens when somebody pokes you? What comes out? Because, see, some of us, we love God, but when somebody pokes us, God kind of words don't come out. <laughs> you know what we say? Oops, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to say that. I was in there. 
It just, it just, it just it was just, I'm not just, it was just a reminder that was in there. And so we got to control certain things. How do you know what's in there? Get, get on 295 and you'll know what's in your heart. Get on the Buckman Bridge at 6.30 in the morning and you'll know. Some of y'all are not singing the hymns of the Lord on the Buckman. Somebody gets in front of you, hit those bricks too fast. You're not, Lord, bless them and keep them. Let your face shine them. No, you didn't pray that. <laughs> oh, y'all are too safe. But you know you didn't pray that over them. Just be honest, you didn't. You said some other things. And then the person in the car next to you, they saw your mouth moving and your Life City Church sticker on the back of your car. <laughs> and like, ooh, they must have just mailed them that sticker. <laughs> if we can control our mouth, we can control our life. Our life moves in the direction of our words, whether we realize it or not. So stop calling that person sorry because, you know what, that, just, that man is just sorry. That's all he is. He's just sorry. He's just this. Well, you keep calling him that. You get what you get. <laughs> you better, you, sometimes you got to call people what you don't see yet. That's a mighty man of God, full of faith and power. He's awesome. He's going to do great things. That woman, she's amazing. She's a woman of virtue, even if she's not a virtue and getting on your nerves. They're like, he's talking bold with his wife home with the baby. <laughs> but y'all know. Y'all know sometimes as much a woman of virtue as you are, y'all know how to poke, boy. You just, you, something about it, because you know we're not going to say anything. Right? You're like, and you, you say something, you have the bullshit, and you better not say nothing back. <laughs> That's how you talk. Uh, and then you're in the other room, the guy's in the other room whispering. What was that? Nothing. Got to be real in church, man. Got to be real. If we control our mouth, we can control our life. We will change when our words change. I want you to go home today and, and, and really challenge yourself about what you're saying to others and what you're saying to yourself. Faith is substance and evidence. It shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we don't see. Faith is both substance and evidence, as, as said in Hebrews 11.1. 1. It shows the reality of what we hope for, the evidence of what we not see. Why, what really ties all this together? Because, Pastor, you've been saying a lot of things today. What, what ties all of this together? Faith, faith makes the seemingly impossible possible. That's why we have to carry that shield, because you live in a world where people will tell you things are impossible. The things that it's impossible for me to think differently. It's impossible for me to talk differently. It's impossible for me to have a different life or the relationship I believe God for. It's impossible for me to have the provision that I've been praying for. It's impossible for me to get healed. But faith, it, it, it's like the car that moves you from where the enemy has you to where God wants you to be. It's like God, the enemy has you here in doubt and fear. But God just says, get in, get, in the, get in the passenger seat and let me drive you by faith over here where you need to be. You know, that part where you don't believe God can work in your family members or in your children. He had you over here, but when you get faith, it's like, no, God, you can do it. It's been a long time. I've been going through this a long time, but God, you can still do it. Why can you believe that? Because God is not in a hurry. When you're God, you don't have to be in a hurry because you know that when you say something, it happens, Right? 
You believe that? So do you realize that when God said, let there be light, every time God says, let there be, it just happens. So do you realize that he could actually say about you, let there be peace? And that peace have to follow when he speaks. We just have to join our faith to what he already said. What do you mean, if I can? Jesus asked, anything is possible for the person who believes. And this is actually taken from a passage where someone comes to Jesus and, and basically says, God, if you can do anything, and, God, and Jesus is surprised, and he's like, if I can? In other words, the issue is not with me, it's with you. He's saying the issue is not whether I can do it, but whether you can believe it. Faith can scare you sometimes. Because God, you, you ever had just a snapshot? Who am I talking to? A snapshot of what you believe God can do. And just like, you, whoa, that's me. Too big. He says anything is possible for the person that believes. Let me close on this. Mark 11, 23, 24. I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea. And it might happen. It will happen. But here's the prerequisite. But you must what? Really believe it will happen. And not doubt where? So faith is really a matter of the heart. So God knows whether we believe something or not. You can fake faith around other people, but at the end of the day, when we get on these, God knows whether you really believe it. And that means that I've got to spend time with him and time in the word and be so close to him that I actually believe what he said. That's why you got to be around other people. When you feel doubt coming on, there's people around you that says, no, just stand. Just keep on going. Just, we said last week, that sometimes our victory is not in fighting, but in standing. You ever had a negative report, like, like something that came from either a teacher, a doctor, or somebody else that said, you know, that just discouraged you, took the winds out of your sails. You thought you were going to get that job, and they, you got passed over. You thought you were going to get the promotion, got passed over. You thought that your medical report was going to be better, but it was worse. And, and so in those moments, your faith sinks, but then you get around somebody who says, no, God, you can't. God can do this. In the midst of all of that, you're not too far gone. God can do that. Here's the principle. Take a picture of this. And, 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 because I don't want you to forget this one. Faith is the unity of belief, words, and actions. When all of these things are working together, nothing is impossible. Faith is the unity of what I believe, what I say, and what I do. If I believe something, you're going to have a hard time with it not coming out of my mouth. And the challenge is, is that that's where it stops for many of us, with what comes out of our mouth. And so we become people who, as, as they say, as the young ones say, they talk about it, but they don't be about it. We want to be people who talk about it, but we do what we talk about. Because after faith is developed in the heart, it is eventually demonstrated in the feet. If I believe it's raining, terrible example for me because I don't have an umbrella, but it's an example. <laughs> if I believe that it's raining, take an umbrella outside, right? 
when I believe that God is going to do something, my life begins to be in a place of preparation and the band can come on back up. Um, my life begins to be in a place of preparation for what I believe God will do. One and everybody just take a minute to stand if you feel like you are physically able to stand up and just with every head bowed and every eye closed. It's an important moment. Right now, I just want you to take some inventory as we pray. And this was more teaching today to just get us rooted in faith going forward. I want you to get a picture of that thing that you've been praying for, believing God for, trusting him for. This may be hard. I want you to get a place, a, a, a picture in your mind of even that hard thing that you just, just doesn't seem would move out of the way. I want you to look at it real good because this is the last day that I want that to be your focus. You're here and you say, God, I, I, I need you to move. I need you to work in this. I, I, I'm doing the best I can, but I've, I've really gotten to the end and the extent of what I can do. And now, God, I need you to step in. And before we sing and worship on this last song, I also want you to ask you another difficult question. See, some of our movement in our life and our, our, our life with God is tied to our obedience. So if you be honest about an area, if there's areas in our life where we, okay, God, you've been dealing with me on this and I just haven't taken the step to obey, whatever it may be. It may, maybe it is you. You just need to make a decision to follow Jesus. Maybe um, it's somebody you need to forgive. Maybe you've been disobedient in giving. Maybe um, you don't speak right to other people. Whatever it is that God has been dealing you with you about, just take that plunge today and say, God, I'll obey you. And when you do that, you're saying, God, you are the anchor of my life. I'm resting on you. I'm trusting in you. You're the foundation of my life. So I want us to worship, and I'm going to come back a minute, and we're going to pray, and we're going to let you go.